0: Well, we uh, get the chance today to set the tone for a whole year and we're doing it after we're coming out of a very hard year. In fact, somebody already wrote the book uh, to recap 2020. It's called The Brief History of 2020. Check it out. Here's a picture of it. The title is, well, that didn't work. <laughs> But are you as glad as I am that 2020 is in the history books now? I mean, it's gone, it is over, it's done, and a new year is now upon us. How do we start the year right? Well, great job getting here. There are also many people online who are participating in church, and I'm so thrilled that those people have joined us as well. And uh, that's a great first step. We also want to devote some attention to to targeted discipleship this time of the year. So we have a series to kick off the year called Renew 2021. And what we're going to focus on is four different areas uh, where if you establish healthy routines and rhythms in these four areas, it's going to be a great year for you. Uh, and if you neglect these four areas and just go with the flow and just see what happens, it's not going to be a very great year for you. So um, those areas are mind, body, heart, and soul. And if if by the end of this year, you have established and maintained healthy rhythms and routines for your mind, for your heart, for your body, and for your soul, you will look back over a 12-month period and say, I can't believe how well I'm doing. And why settle, is my question at the beginning of the year. Why settle? Why not strive to make this your strongest, healthiest year on record by the grace of God? As you look out to a whole year, it's like seeing a construction site where this vast gorge has been dug out and they're about to fill a foundation on which to build an entire building. That's a new year. And if we lay a good, firm foundation together, then God can build all sorts of strong, healthy, vibrant things into our lives. What if we don't? What if we just, what if we just coast? What if we just cruise control, or worse, pull over and snooze for the year? Uh, our minds will grow dull, dark, ignorant, and distracted. Our hearts will be in turmoil. They'll become more selfish and sunk by the cares of this world. Our bodies will get undisciplined, weak, or become fuel for narcissism and envy. And our souls will become empty, starving for more of what truly satisfies. Hey, let's not go for that. Let's go for what's better and what's best. New Year Let's renew. Let's invite God to renew our minds, our hearts, our bodies, and our souls. And it starts today. Let's pray and then we'll talk about renewing our mind. Jesus, we start this year with our eyes fixed on you. You knew everything that was going to happen last year and you know everything that will come this year. And we pray that you would help us to settle our minds at the feet of your throne. Jesus, help us to Think about the things that will glorify you and that will fill our lives with rest. Help us to get our minds set straight at the beginning of this year. And help us, Lord, to identify unhealthy patterns of thought and to replace those with thoughts that show our faith, our hope, and our love for you. What does it mean, Lord, to love God with all of our minds? What does it mean to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? May that start today. And show us in your word how that can happen. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, this is going to be a topical message. And what that means is the verses will be projected for you on the screen. You can feel free to write them down. And you can go back and meditate on them later. Uh, But the sermon today is broken down into three major categories. Whenever the Bible talks about our mind, there are three major categories where the Bible says this is what God expects of our mind. The first one, you can jot this down. Be heavenly minded. Be heavenly-minded. That's the first uh, constellation of verses that comes up in the Bible. And if the mind is like a garden, it grows what's planted beneath the surface. Therefore, we must plant spiritual truths in our minds if we expect to see the fruit of spiritual virtues in our thoughts. In Colossians 3, 1-2, here's what it says. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Listen, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. This is a picture. It's not not a descriptive manual of how to do it. It's not a list of 99 things to think about every day. It's a picture. It's a picture of you doing this with this. What does it mean to fill your minds with heavenly thoughts? What does it mean to be alert, spiritually focused, to pay attention to what God is saying? And God is saying a lot. What happens when we just fix our eyes around here and whatever's being said from up there is like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 wah. What happens when we go months without listening to God, without planting spiritual thoughts in our mind? Nothing good. How do we grow heavenly-minded? Well, the first sub-point here is very simple. Write this down. Have a Bible-reading plan this year. If you want to be heavenly-minded, you've got to get this book into your mind. Have a Bible-reading plan this year. Fill your mind with Scripture this year. Man does not live on bread alone, but on what? What does the Bible say? On what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's food. It's food for your soul. It's food for your mind. So have a Bible reading plan. How did you do last year in 2020? We all had a lot more disposable time than usual. So our excuses kind of went away, right? But our stress increased. And so I was surprised. I I had a Bible reading plan last year. I was going to read through the Bible in a year, and I got it done. I was really excited about that. I don't do that every year. Last year, that was my goal. But I also had a book reading plan. Didn't get that done. And I'm like, where did my time go? What do you mean I didn't get my book reading plan? And then I was kind of scolding myself. Remember the psalm we talked about last week where you actually like, you know, talk to yourself? Uh, well, that's kind of what I was doing. I'm like, where did all the time go, soul? Thankfully, I got my Bible read last year. Maybe you look back at 2020 and you weren't in the Bible even once a week. Maybe you weren't in the Bible even once a month. Maybe your mind was not planting spiritual thoughts. Now let's face it, there's never a good excuse to stop listening to God, right? Never. But last year we had all the time in the world, right? So maybe you come out of last year and you're like, I've got to get a plan this year. Maybe you had a great year last year, and you're like, I read through the Bible five times. Bravo! Whether it was a great year or a bad year, have a plan. If it didn't go so well last year, I'm guessing you didn't have a plan to start with. Probably. Uh, so have a Bible reading plan. If you don't have a daily devotion time with God, morning, lunch, or night, where you routinely read the Bible, you are missing out on one of the most essential parts of a life that functions according to God's plan. So I saw this ad for, if you're looking for a vehicle, I saw this ad. Someone's selling a truck. Check it out. Maybe you can put a bid out on it. Truck for sale. (laughs) Needs parts. (laughs) Serious inquiries only. (laughs) Now, Now look, if you don't have a Bible reading plan, that's your spiritual life, okay? You're missing all the parts needed to get you moving, right you've got the tires but a bible reading plan will drive your faith forward every year we print up a, uh, a helpful tool and these are available right outside the door you can grab one on the way out but it's an old and a new testament bible reading uh, chart where you can track where you've been in the word now if you want to read the bible in a year you've got to read three to four chapters a day and that amounts to about 100 chapters a month. So if each month you just count up where you're at, you've got to be at about 100 by February 1st and at about 200 by March 1st. And that's an easy way to keep track of how you're doing. So you can just, uh, you know, check off the, the... And even if your plan is not to read through the whole Bible, at least by the end of the year, like right now, if I'm like, how'd you do in God's Word last year? And you don't have an answer and you're like, uh, I, think I, um, I think I was... It. If you don't know... This is a quick way to fix that. Because I can pull it out right now and say, I know exactly where I was in God's Word last year. So grab one of these on the way out and have a plan. You can have a bunch of possible goals. You can read through the Old Testament or the New Testament. You can study a book of the Bible. Uh, but plant those seeds of Scripture deep in your mind. Last year, I challenged people to make a goal. and um, On January 1st, I got a text from somebody in our church. and he, We hadn't talked all year long, but he just sent me a text. And he said... Thanks for challenging me to read through the Bible last year. Just got it done. And I was like, I had no idea. But he did it. He did it. And maybe you want to challenge yourself this year. Whatever it is, have a Bible reading goal. It says in Isaiah 26, 3, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Hey, doesn't perfect peace sound like a good plan for 2021? Keep your mind stayed on him. Plant these seeds of scripture deep in your soul, whatever your goal is. Maybe you want to have a Bible memorization challenge this year. I don't know, but have a goal. Uh, There's an app on the phone called Fighter Verses. Fighter Verses, you can write that down. Uh, And it's a great Bible memorization app, if that's one of your goals this year. Have a Bible reading plan. Be heavenly minded. So it says set your minds on things that are above, then it says not on things that are on earth. So jot this down, clean out the worldly garbage. We've got to plant the heavenly seeds and we have to clean out the worldly garbage. It's not enough to say I'm going to read a lot of the Bible if there's also a ton of worldly garbage going into the mind right? You'll have both wheat and weeds growing on that field. So we have to clean out the worldly garbage. I like that thought of cleaning out the thoughts, and the Word of God is described as it, 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 it washes, it cleanses us, right? Uh, and so if we want our mind to be cleansed out, we have to read the Bible and clear out the worldly uh, garbage. I told you last week we have problems with our dishwasher, right? Our dishwasher broke. The dishes got dirty. They were they smelled worse when the dishwasher was done with them than when we put them in because the cycle wasn't working right. The The uh, water was pooling in the bottom. And so we'd open the dishwasher and go, oh, <laughs> then we would have to wash the dishes by hand after they went through the dishwasher. What sense does that make? So I told you that last week, right? And then the hose sprang a leak and I had to duct tape it up. So then I had a dishwasher ordered, and they told me it wasn't going to arrive till March. So, so anyway, good husband that I am, I got a dishwasher delivered on uh, Thursday. It showed up uh, in the afternoon, and they put in this new dishwasher, and they tested it all, and they got it all done, and then they left. And I was like, well, it finally happened. We can have clean dishes again, and we ran the first cycle, and it leaked. It leaked on the floor, the new dishwasher. Now here's a picture of the dishwasher. And for accountability's sake, I want you all to notice that there are 2,485 reviews of this dishwasher, and it has four and a half stars. So it's a highly rated dishwasher. I didn't skimp, okay? (laughs) But it's leaking. And so now we have a brand new dishwasher that still doesn't get dishes clean. And so they have to come out and put a new one in. (laughs) Oh, we'll get it done. Listen, when it comes to your mind, uh, if you don't have the washing machine working correctly, there's a lot of filthy, unwashed thoughts stored up in the mind that aren't getting cleansed properly. And part of the cleansing process... Let's just face it. There are some months throughout the year where we just, as we're driving along somewhere have all sorts of filthy, faithless thoughts in our mind. If people could see how filthy our thoughts were, it would be like pig pen from the peanuts. There'd be a cloud. Why? Because we haven't been in our Bible or because we've been storing thoughts up that don't belong in there. So we have to take out the worldly garbage. What does it mean to have a worldly mind? In Philippians 3, 19 to 20, it says this of the world. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame. Their minds set on earthly things. So so a worldly mindset, first of all, they're not thinking beyond this world. And when we're not thinking beyond this world, our Thoughts get filthy. There's also, it says here, their God is their belly. So there's bodily impulses. I crave it, I want it, I go and I get it. I want it, I take it. I need it, I go for it. That could be relationships, that could be financially, it could be covetousness, whatever it is. Our minds are set on earthly things and impulses take over. It says they glory in their shame. God's law is not their boast. They're not proud of walking in manner worthy of the Lord. They have cast off that restraint. And they don't just do shameful things, they glory in it. And when our mind is full of people who are glorying in shameful things, our thoughts grow dark and filthy. And then it says their minds are set on earthly things. So they're ungodly ungodliness can take the form of people who grow dark and devious lawbreakers but it could also take the form of people who just don't care about spiritual things and they're having the time of their lives glamorizing a godless life if we're going to clean out the worldly garbage let's just let's just you know what where do we start it's not hard to figure that out i mean uh Subject number one, exhibit A, is probably social media. The vast majority of the garbage that comes into our mind is probably from way too much social media. It used to be TV sat too long in front of the old tube. And now it's, they call it the doom scroll. You're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and your mind is rotting and rotting and rotting. And I'm as guilty as anyone else for having bad days where it's just like hypnotic, you know? And there's just too much social media. When it comes to the digital realm, what is it? Well, it's mostly a circus. It's mostly entertainment, impulse, shock. But much of it is seedy, sensual, materialistic nonsense. Uh, When it comes to social media, a lot of times we just have to put up boundaries or that's all that's going to enter our mind on a daily basis and we'll get swept downstream with the sewage of the world. It's really funny how quickly nothing can become something everybody is watching. It's just so fickle and shallow, lacking substance, and yet billions of of people are, are, are viewing, billions of views are happening. Uh, So TikTok is a newer addition to our family, and we've got three teenagers, so they're all about TikTok, right? And they'll tell us, oh, this video got 200 views or 300 views or 400 views, and we're just like, all right, whatever. Just make sure you're watching wholesome stuff, and don't let it dominate your mind. Well, something happened where uh, we were driving down to visit Elliott College, and Lauren was driving the van, and Cassie was in the passenger seat. And so Cassie decided to do a TikTok, and the one that she picked to do is she just put her phone in the corner... Uh, she was in the passenger seat, but it reverses it, so it's a little confusing. So she puts her phone up, and uh, it's, <clears throat> it's called um, Mean Parent Edition or something, and she holds up her fingers, and then the person says, uh, you're out if your parent does this, like, you know, grounds you, and then she puts a finger down. So Lauren doesn't even know she's doing this, but Cassie's doing a TikTok evaluating Lauren's parenting, right? Now Lauren is sitting in the driver's seat, and she's just driving along listening to her book and eating a piece of celery because she wanted to have a healthy snack. And Cassie films this TikTok and it now has 125,000 views. It went viral, okay? Which Cassie hates because it's mom in the video that got her all the views, right? But this this is just showing you how quickly nothing can become something everybody is watching. I'm going to show it to you right now, all right? So check it out. This is the TikTok You're out
1: strict parents edition. You're out if your parents made you install Life360 on your phone. You're out if your parents don't let you stay the night at friends' houses. You're out if your parents don't let you drive with teenagers. You're out if your parents check your phone. You're out if your parents won't let you dye your hair. You're out if your parents won't let you get another piercing. You're out if your parents make you leave the door open when you're with a boy. So Lauren just, just figured out what's going on. She so pulled you out her headphone. She's like, what's you're happening? With for proof. <laughs> you're out if There's your salary. parents have ever taken your bedroom door away. You're out if your parents ever made you change clothes before you went out. You're out if your parents had to install security cameras because of something sneaky that you did. You are out if you Lauren cannot said make not plans yet. more than two weekends in a row.
0: That's it! That's it. It's this cute little thing that Lauren didn't, now imagine if somebody that morning said, hey, 125,000 people are going to watch what you're doing in your van. Be careful. You think she would have kind of like, what am I wearing? What's going on? Like, but this just shows you how quickly nothing can suddenly become something that everybody is watching. And usually it's just nonsense. It's good to know that every once in a while, a health-conscious celery-eating mom hits it big right one for the good guys (laughs) 125,000 people have watched that now I'm illustrating this if we aren't intentional when it comes to our mind God's going to be at the end of the line at the end of the line and everything that's in front of him is going to be an absolute circus a circus don't put God at the end of the circus parade let's get him up toward the front Be heavenly minded, have a Bible reading plan, clean out the worldly garbage, write this down, here's number two. Be healthy minded. When the Bible talks about our mind and a good mindset, heavenly minded is number one, healthy minded is number two, healthy minded. And in the Greek, when this word comes up, it's usually translated in the Bible as prudent, but when it comes up, uh, it's a compound word, it means health, mind, health, mind, healthy mind. Healthy-minded means what's going on in your brain, your thoughts, are upright, are godly. Is your mindset on the world prudent, or are you stuck in unhealthy fixations? We all know what's healthy for the body, am I right? A new baby food just came out. If you have, if you have a baby and you're feeding them baby food, allow me to recommend Gerber's latest edition it is called Gerber Taco Bell New Beefy Five Layer Burrito Baby Food. <laughs> it's a joke, but I know I'm not. Can you imagine seeing that on the shelf? I'm not feeding that to my baby. Anyone knows that is unhealthy. But how do we figure out what's unhealthy for the mind? What's the equivalent of putting beefy five-layer bean burrito in my brain, right? What's unhealthy for my mind? Things that I shouldn't be feeding my mind. Well, in James 3.17, it says this. But the wisdom from above is first pure. So pure, not filthy. Then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and sincere. So if you break this down, when you you take peaceable, full of mercy, good fruits, sincere, there's a few little nuances we can pull from this. What does it mean to be healthy-minded? Well, jot this down. We have to let go of negativity and cynicism. We have to let go of negativity and cynicism. We have to be peaceable. We have to be gentle. We have to be merciful. Um, The idea of being in an unhealthy mindset Means here's the lane my mind is supposed to operate in. The unhealthy mindset has swerved out there. You're you're out there. And then has put it in park. And now you're stuck. You're out there in an unhealthy, negative, cynical frame. You have it on negative and you've pulled the parking brake. That's an unhealthy mind. Now, you might have what you think would be great reasons for being negative, but, the, but it's unhealthy because you're out there and you're stuck. And the person who's struggling with an unhealthy mindset might know that they're stuck. I can't get out of here. I'm just down. I'm just, I can't get my brain off. They might know that they're stuck or they might not know that they're stuck. They might think that they're right where they need to be. In either case, the person who's struggling with an unhealthy mindset has to be told, you have to budge. You have to move. You have to get back into the proper lane that you, because you've, you've swerved, and you're stuck, and you're immovable right now. That's not healthy-minded. If you're stuck, in a negative, cynical, downer, little black rain cloud, no joy, no love, no cheer, grinchy, critical spirit, that is not God's will for your mind. That is not God's will for your mind. And it comes out your mouth. Always critical. Always down. Always always fault-finding. Always criticizing. Always taking other people down. That's not God's will for your mind or your mouth. You could be condemning, punishing, You're stuck. Stuck on negativity. Stuck on cynicism. It comes out in gossip. It comes out in slander. But you're taking things down. Usually if you're stuck in a negative, cynical place, you're highly opinionated. You're often talking twice as much as you're listening. Because you're stuck. Because you're stuck. And you're stuck in a bad place. Maybe you know it. Maybe you don't. Here's a picture of a guy who just is looking for a fight. I will argue with anyone about anything free (laughs) free that's just a contentious posture and it starts with an unhealthy mind with an unhealthy mind and maybe you've let that bullet train get out of control negative 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 critical 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 and it's unhealthy and you've swerved and you're stuck and you've got to budge you've got to get off that train of thought and maybe you know it Be peaceable, gentle, merciful. Jot this down. Let go of divisive extremes. Let go of divisive extremes. Boy, our whole country could use this point right now. But when it comes to a divisive extreme, this is really important for for us to understand. When you find something that's a polarizing thought or post on Facebook there's immediately all of this attention, the likes and the dislikes. and the, It blows up, right? It's a polarizing thing. And because it's polarizing, it's divisive. Because it's divisive, there's a lot of energy to it. If you have developed a mindset where your mind is like a you know, tetherball, the old tetherball game, the pull with the ball, and you hit the ball, and then the ball spins around, if you've made it a mental habit of going to those divisive extremes and planting your mind there and then letting the tetherball wind tighter and tighter and tighter around a polarizing position, it's very unhealthy. It's very unhealthy. If you're drawn to that and if you get stuck there. Now, here's what's challenging about this. People who have divisive extremes usually feel like it's a very good topic. So, for example, a pastor can get really stuck on one particular theological thing, like the end times. And they can have one view of what's happening when Jesus comes back. And everyone has to have their view. And they keep winding tighter and tighter and tighter. So that in some churches, I've heard that the doctrinal statement continues to get so so narrow that they finally insist that everyone sign the same doctrinal statement as this particular pet view of the preacher. It's unhealthy. But if you talk to him, it's the Bible. And you have to understand, this is how these divisive extremes work. You might have a political view, an economical view, that you think is really good for the country. But if you've swerved out there, and you're really out there, and you've become a polarizing, divisive force, it's not healthy. It can even be a good topic like the unborn. And yes, we want to advocate for the unborn. But some people swerve way out there in just how. I'll do anything to protect the unborn. And now laws are being broken. And now people are being threatened. And hey, hey, you've got to budge. Good topic, bad position. And if, if you don't understand how a healthy mindset works, you will cling to that good idea and it will take you off a cliff. You will cling to that good conviction and it will destroy your relationships. So you have to let go of divisive extremes. Have you taken something way too far? Have you become destructive and divisive in your commitment to one pattern of thought? Is there one thing in your mind that's consuming everything else like a black hole? Sometimes people go so far as plunging into suspicion and conspiracy theories and it's like, whoa, that's out there. We had somebody teaching in our church once a student lesson, and he mentioned something about water. He said something about water, and he he mentioned that studies have shown that water responds to the voice of humans, and that if you speak kindly to water, it changes and grows. And if you speak, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! I was like, that's not true. No, 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 it is. I'm like, no, 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 it's not. <laughs> and you can't tell our teenagers about that. Because you could use that to go into a heretical teaching, which is word of faith. My word and how much I believe it creates the spiritual fruit. That's false. It's the spirit of God and the power of the word that creates the growth. It's not the word of the speaker. And listen, there was no reasoning with him. He's like, yeah, I thought that too, but I'll send you some videos. I'm like, I don't want to see your videos. Water doesn't listen to humans. (laughs) And it doesn't respond in a petri dish if I'm nice to it listen, this is the way these unhealthy mindsets work. I couldn't reason with him. Oh, I fought like you once too, but then I saw these videos. I'm like, you've got to repent because you just taught something false to our students, All right? If you're getting unhealthy with the things you're watching and listening to, and and everyone's trying to tell you, and you're like, no, 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 beware. Maybe you have an unhealthy mindset. Jot this down. Let go of negativity and cynicism. Let go of divisive extremes and then embrace a humble, measured, balanced mindset. Humble, humble. Ears are open. Measured, balanced mindset. This is what it means to be open to reason, James says. Open to reason and impartial. Uh, You are not your own standard of truth. Others have the freedom to speak into that. You're not rigid, you're gentle. You're not proud and haughty and opinionated, you're meek. This is what a healthy-minded person sounds like. Their mind is not full of cynicism, critical, polarizing, suspicion that's out there. But rather they're filled with the fruit of true wisdom. So number 1, be heavenly-minded, number 2, be healthy-minded, number 3, be sober-minded. Sober-minded. Sober-mindedness comes up a bunch of times in the Bible. Uh, the, the person who's not healthy-minded goes out there. You're out. You're out there. And then they get stuck, and they need to start swerving back to reason again. The sober-minded person who's struggling with being sober-minded, they need to stop swerving because they keep doing this. They don't stop. They, do, they keep swerving and doubting and drifting, and you can't nail them down. The unhealthy-minded person won't move. The unsober-minded person won't stop moving. So be sober-minded. Two ways to think about this is some people are drunk-driving their faith. They are dangerously swerving into oncoming traffic and defying the Lord's commands. They're not heeding the warnings, and they are sinning, and then they're not. And then they're sinning, and then they're not. They're swerving into harm's way, and they're plunging their family, their marriage, their job, their finances, into harm's way. But there's another way to think about it. They're just drifting. They're just drifting away. Not really intentionally, just just not staying where they belong. Their mind is just off. And then it's back, and then it's just off. This is the person who's not sober-minded. In James 1, 6-8, it says... But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind back and forth. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. he's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now this highlights the prayer, the results of ineffective prayer. But the man is described as being thrown about by the waves, unstable. This is the person who is not sober-minded. I'm in, I'm out. I'm on, I'm off. I'm here, I'm gone. Can't rely on them. So the thought of sliding away made me think of in in winter, the roads start icing up. So check out this video of cars that have lost their traction. Check it out. Behold, winter. So if we're not careful, if we're not sober-minded, we'll drift away, swerve away, slide away from the faith. The Bible warns us about falling away, and it starts in the mind. It starts in the mind. So how do we make sure that we are sober-minded? We'll write this down. Stand firm on spiritual convictions. Stand firm on spiritual convictions. You know, I'm not, I'm not rethinking God or life or faith or commitment, I, you know? When it comes to spiritual commitments, I'm holding tighter to the things I've been taught about Christ. I'm not drifting from them or putting distance between me and them, but we can also lose heart so our mind can be filled with things that cause us to doubt and to lose heart because of a storm. And when Jesus calmed the storm, he looked at the disciples and what did he ask them? He said, what? Where, what did he say? Where, where's your faith? where's your faith that idea of if you feel storm-tossed right that's that's why you might lack sober-mindedness don't lose heart don't be drawn into sin be steadfastly devoted to what is good to love God to love others not double-minded not doubtful not defeated not divisive I was on 355 North several years ago driving along behind a semi and the semi started swerving. It bumped into a car. The car slammed on its brakes. It bumped into another car. The car got out of the way. I got back. I called the cops. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. But they found out, that, I don't know why, but this semi hit five cars. And that could be you in 2021, back and forth. I'm in, I'm out. I'm... And you could hurt your family and you could hurt your faith and your God, but if you're sober-minded, you are going to stay in the lane of God's Word. I'm not quitting. I'm not leaving. I'm not running. I am here. I'm here. And maybe you need to say that to your own soul. Nail it down. God is good. Sin is bad. Stand firm on your spiritual convictions. Jot this down. And therefore, we can walk in a manner worthy of Christ. If you put it all together, and if we strive this year, every day you wake up, if you say, mind, body, heart, and soul, I'm going to be healthy and godly. And then you say, how can I be healthy-minded today? Then you can walk in a manner worthy of Christ. You can say, today I'm going to fill my mind with wholesome, healthy, godly thoughts. I'm going to empty my mind of, I'm going to to empty the dishwasher, right? Of filthy, foolish, fallen, darkened thoughts. I'm going to have a clean mind. If every day we wake up and we say we are going to fill our minds with what is good, then our lives will bear that fruit of godliness. But if we don't, we'll have filthy thoughts. Our minds will be polluted. And every day after day after day, it'll just get darker and darker and darker. But hey, this year, invite God to renew your mind. Your mind, your body, your heart, your soul. Say, Lord, renew me. Renew me. Help me to plant those godly thoughts so that I'm heavenly minded, so that I'm healthy minded, so that I'm sober minded. Give me the mind of Christ. Let's respond to what we've heard today in prayer right now. Father, we start the year off by inviting you to renew our minds. We need you, Lord. We need you to give us strength, mind, body, heart, and soul. We've had the days, we've had the months where our minds are just racing, racing with thoughts that are foolish or faithless. And Father, I pray that you would start at the beginning of the year by helping us to fix our minds on you, Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. I pray that you would help us, O Lord, to remember what is good and true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. I pray that you would purify our thoughts and our minds. Fill us with your spirit, O Lord, so that we might see with eyes of faith what you're doing and so that we might look away from the world because the world and its desires are passing away, but the one who does the will of God will live forever. So we give you glory, Jesus, and we invite you to be glorified in our minds this year. And we pray this in your name.